The Athletic. This is the best club in the world. Don't care what other people do. Alexander Arnold, Elliot. What a transformation in Liverpool's play this half. Only been six minutes of it, but they look a different team. And they're in again with Elliot. And Elliot went for goal and he scored. Incredible. So Liverpool went to Ajax with just one away win under their belt this season, but doubled that tally in a competition, which is bringing some relief, thank God. Rampant in the second half, they've secured their passage into the knockouts. So is a change in Liverpool's formation paying dividends and what lies ahead in the next three Premier League games ahead of the World Cup break? Welcome along to the pod, I'm Steve Hoversall and uh, joining us live from Amsterdam, James Pearce and also writer David Lynch as well to reflect on a terrific Champions League win and progression through the knockout stages of the competition. James has said it in the top of the pod, they, they went there with just one away win, they've doubled that tally and in the second half it, it was fine stuff to watch but a little bit nervy, not convincing for the first 30 minutes. Yeah, it, there were certainly parallels with the game at Ibrox a few weeks ago in terms of uh... You know, a painfully slow start where Liverpool struggled to get a grip on things, and um, you know, you'd, you'd have to say they probably rode their luck early on against Ajax. Could easily have been one, even two down. But yeah, the the big thing was weather in that storm, and then from the moment that they produced that you know exquisite opening goal just before half time with you know, the brilliance of Henderson's pass and the you know the first time finish from Salah, they just cruised, didn't they? I think that that burst early in the second half. Just completely and utterly deflated not only you know the Ajax players but their supporters as well because until that point the atmosphere had been had been sensational there so um, yeah and I think the most pleasing thing for Klopp was the fact that the last twenty five thirty minutes after the substitutions it was just a non event wasn't it in in the best possible way the fact that the game was done there was never any hint of any late drama and there's not too, been too many games this season that Klopp's been able to enjoy quite like that. No, given the season they've been having, David, this this was great to watch, wasn't it? In fact, just the Champions League has offered that respite, hasn't it? Produced some positivity for the team. Yeah, didn't maybe feel like that at the start of the game. Felt like it could be another difficult one, but yeah, by the end of it, absolutely delighted really to to not only you know secure progress to the knockout stages of the game early, and, and that could be important in terms of just how busy this period coming up is. Um, but to you know to to win in sort of convincing fashion and, and score some really nice goals, it's always good for confidence. And I think you know you'd hope Liverpool can can really take that forward now because you know it, it has been a difficult start to the season. I think any anything you can take from this Champions League campaign and, and bring it to the Premier League and, and maybe that's a change of shape or something like that or or just the confidence that the players take from the result and the performance. You know you'd hope you can bring it forward as a positive. The the worrying thing in the first half was the chances which they offered to Ajax. James, it was strangely similar to a lot of games we've seen this season. Some golden opportunities could have been two down by the break. Yeah, yeah, they could have been. You know, especially that early chance that they hit the post when you know it looked destined to score, didn't they? And and I think it was Tadic then had the the chance that Trent Alexander Arnold made a crucial block. And yeah, Liverpool just looked really sluggish and off the pace early on. And Klopp spoke afterwards about the. You know, for him, he said the problem was in the way that he'd set Liverpool up. He, he needed the two full-backs and his, as he describes him as two number eights, Henderson and, and Elliot on either side of that midfield diamond to be to be aggressive and to be brave and, and really positive. And I think he felt that he, they just stood off too much and, and allowed Ajax to play. And yeah, they were 
they were certainly living dangerously there. But yeah, the the big thing and the difference compared to some of those other games this season that that have gone completely the other way was that that Liverpool didn't concede that early goal. You know, there was probably a a slice of good fortune attached to it. But I think then you could see that, you know, Ajax didn't have anything to show for their efforts and and Liverpool just then grew into it and and clearly Klopp was able to probably get across what he he wanted them to to change tactically and then you saw them just turn the screw really from, from there on in. Mm. But biggest thing for me from the weekend was actually the, the team straight away, David, looked just an awful lot stronger, didn't it? A lot more belief in that starting eleven than maybe the one that lost to Forest. Yeah, even without sort of Thiago coming back in, I think, you know, Darwin Nunez being up front sort of enhanced things in terms of the forward line, particularly, you know, at the moment you've you've no Diogo Jota, no Luis Diaz. Um, you know, they're they're big misses and, and they're gonna be big misses for the foreseeable future. But see, yeah, to get Darwin Nunez back in there, obviously to bring Jordan Henderson back into the midfield. It, it did, it looked a lot stronger on paper. And I think, you know, it, it like I said, it didn't maybe look like that in the start of the game where, where Liverpool were, were massively off it really and, and, and Ajax looked really dangerous. But they, they needed to come out flying, I suppose. And for Liverpool to weather that early storm and, and then come away and, and sort of stamp their authority on the game from, from then on in, maybe that's something that they'll they'll take confidence from, I think, because you know, you, you know you're gonna have difficult periods in games. You know they're having difficult periods in games pretty regularly at the start of this season, but to, to come through that in a difficult away test in the way that they did and yeah, to, to have a, a stronger looking start in eleven and then and then show it in the second half of the game, it's um it it should be good for all the players really. Now he's tinkering, isn't he, with the with the formation at the moment. You wrote a piece a few days ago, James, on the the four four two and the impact that was having last night was it was the midfield diamond. Is, is some of this about player availability? Is he just edging closer and closer to what he feels is is working best for the squad as a whole? I, I think it is heavily dependent on player availability. I think the big thing for him last night was he he obviously wanted to get Nunes and Salah in this you know playing playing centrally and I don't think he could have gone he said afterwards you know he could have gone 4-3-3 with Nunes on the on the left but he didn't want him you know he, he didn't want him stuck out wide he wanted him through the middle to a to a greater extent so you know I, I thought once they actually got to grips with it the system worked pretty well and it was you know a continuation really of what was it now seven games playing 4-4-2 you know again there's been kind of different tweaks to it along the way it's not 4-4-2 in the kind of the old the kind of the old meaning of it but um but yeah I think I think it is difficult for him at the moment isn't it with like you know no Diaz and no Jota and and no Thiago you know it was Jordan Henderson playing on the left side of that diamond you know Elliot on the right obviously Firmino is well suited you'd have to say to playing at the tip with how clever he is dropping off into into pockets of space so yeah I think you know in general there was a lot of factors behind the the change of system initially uh, you know in in on the back of that debacle against Brighton where you know Liverpool looked just so wide open and I think more than anything Klopp felt he had to change it to try and install some greater stability in the team and you'd have to say when you look at the lack of goals conceded in that period you know it to a large degree it has worked you know some problems along the way where he's had to rejig again with other other key personnel missing but yeah it's it's given it's given Liverpool something that they can build on I still I don't think Klopp and Linders will see this kind of four four two in the various guys. I don't, I'm not sure it's a long term solution. I, I don't think they'll completely ditch the four three three that 
served Liverpool so well in the glory they've had under Klopp. But yeah, at the minute, with the problems they've had, with the injuries, I think with the lack of belief, with the hangover from last season, I think the lack of energy as well. The joint piece we did earlier on this week kind of underlined the pressing stats and everything else. And you know, Liverpool weren't pressing anywhere near the levels of, of, of last season. And I think that's why Klopp's decided, OK, well, it makes more sense. If we can't do the plan A to the best of our abilities, which is what our success has been based on, then we'll drop a little bit deeper, be a bit more compact and, and play a bit more on the counter-attack. And yeah, it's not been... It's not been absolute plain sailing, has it, during those those seven games? But what's that now? Five wins and, and, and two defeats. I think it's kind of fascinating, really, that to, to have been so stubbornly wedded to that 4-3-3 for such a long time at Liverpool that now he sort of seems to be wanting to play any formation but that to, to sort of move away from that. Because, as James says, it, it just hasn't really been working. And this this 4-4-2 diamond that we saw against Ajax is, is an interesting one. I, I wonder if that's one he might like for, for a while now, or at least until... You know, Jota and Diaz come back because I think you know it gives you a few solutions. It, there's, there's a few things to like about it um, as opposed to the sort of flat four four two that they've been playing. You know, I think that Salah and Nunez up top looks re- like a, a really nice combination um, and gets them both in goal scoring positions, which we know is their best quality. Um, it also gives you that sort of it gives you options in terms of what you do behind Firmino or, you know, Firmino, that role could be played by Elliot, could be played by Carvalho, the, the one behind the strikers. And then, you know, either side of midfield, if it's a tough game, you maybe go with, obviously, Fabinho at the base, Thiago on the left, maybe Henderson on the right. Or if it's a, a game where you're going to have more of the ball, maybe you put Elliot on the right-hand side and Firmino in behind. So, you know, it, to me, it looks like a, a shape that we, you know, maybe until you, you get those left siders back, you know, could be sort of a, a mid-term sort of solution really for for Liverpool. And I, I really like the way it worked after that sort of dodgy first sort of 25 minutes. And I think, you know, it's one that even when Thiago comes back, that maybe Klopp will consider will consider keeping hold of. So a partial solution. In the piece that you've written, James, which is called uh, Why Liverpool's New Identity Means Little Less Intensity, I think there's a line in there where you say that Jurgen Klopp admitted that teams had worked out how to exploit them when they weren't at their best, which I thought was a rather telling line. Yeah, I think because there was a lot of talk, wasn't there, earlier on this season that Liverpool had been found out and that you even had some ridiculous claims that, like, opponents had read Pep Linders' book from cover to cover and, and, and found out all the state secrets and, and suddenly they had a game plan to stop Liverpool. But I don't always agree with everything that, that Klopp says, but I think, I think what he said was true, was that he said, you know, teams have, have long since known how to stop us. The problem they had was they couldn't stop us because we were too good at doing, you know, what, what we did. And that was that was the biggest difference, you know, in the opening months of this season. The fact that Liverpool stopped doing the things that made them so good. They didn't have that intensity. There was big, big holes, especially out of possession. When they did press, it was so easy to to play through them. And then suddenly there was this glaring vulnerability. Yeah, that that's why I don't think four three three hasn't hasn't been kind of banished to the dustbin at Kirby and <laughs> never to be never to be seen again because teams now know how to do it. I just think at the moment with the personnel that are available and and just with the general state of the squad in terms of of energy levels and confidence and everything else and the schedule which is absolutely you know punishing at the moment, it just makes more sense. I think and um, yeah, the biggest thing I think from you know Klopp said it quite a few times is stability and I think to a decent degree it has. It has worked on that front. 
Right, let's get to the goals. Brilliant pass from John Henson. Ridiculously good with the outside of his boot for Mo Salah, David. Uh, I, I suppose as part of that formation as well, but just the vision, the timing, and even Salah's finish. I've heard quite a few people saying, oh, what was the keeper doing? But the first touch of that ball from Salah to get it past the keeper, again, sensational. Yeah, we've seen Jordan Henson do that for Mo Salah before, haven't we, at Old Trafford, the, the outside of the boot pass. Um, and for a player who gets sort of a lot of criticism about his technique, you know, I'd like to see other people try that one. It's a, a remarkable bit of football, really. And, and as you say about the finish, actually, is, you know, the, the keeper does make his mind up, but that, that still takes some finishing. We've, we've seen players, you know, try that little chip over the keeper as they're on rushing, and the keeper's just hands up caught it you know I, I, someone tried to do it to Allison earlier this season actually I can't recall the game but he just put his arms up and took the ball out of the air so it's you know it's not an easy one and you know in a, in a difficult situation where Liverpool hadn't been playing at the best in that game it was sort of the first big chance goal and um, yeah that that's what you get from Mo Salah isn't it really I suppose is he's he's so reliable in turning up in those big moments and and he's yeah his, his finishing is almost peerless so yeah really really nice goal after what had been a sort of difficult start to the game where where Liverpool hadn't played the best football to just put together that little passage I think it just showed the sort of dearth in quality between Liverpool and Ajax the, the gap that put, sort of exists between the two teams You've written on Jordan Henderson uh, from last night and given him some glowing tributes for his contribution, a player who's constantly written off, isn't he, James? I've lost count of the number of times. A recurring story, the number of times people have said that his, his career's over, he shouldn't be in the side. But he's got that ability time and time again to come back, hasn't he, and deliver something at the highest level. He does, yeah. And that, that felt like a really big moment for him last night because, you know, suddenly I was, I was looking back and you know the, the last assist he was credited with before that the opening goal was was February against Leeds in the in the six nil win and and when you think of it you know it's been a real you know difficult start to the season for for Liverpool in general but especially for Jordan Henderson with you know I don't you know his form hasn't been great you'd you'd have to you'd have to say that he had the hamstring injury that that kept him out for a month you know clearly in the last few weeks Klopp has felt the need to manage his game time as well he, you know, he didn't start against Man City didn't start last weekend against Forest so they're clearly you know, having to, to be careful with him because I think if he was 100% fit, he certainly would have started ahead of Curtis Jones at the city ground. And then you throw into the mix, you know, for the last two and a half weeks up to match day in Amsterdam, he'd had this FA investigation hanging over him after the, um, the allegations made by Gabriel at the Emirates. And despite, obviously, the support of everyone around him and the support of the club, and, you know, he obviously strenuously denies, you know, any any wrongdoing and... His name is, you know, has been cleared with the FA, you know, ruling there is no case for him to answer. But you know, that's that's a lot of stress to to deal with on top of the day to day demands and challenges of being Liverpool captain, especially during a difficult period where the team aren't delivering at anywhere near the the level that we, we've become used to. So yeah, I think I think there was probably relief for him on match day in Amsterdam with 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 that news from the FA, and then. You know, great delight that he was able to influence the game in that manner. You know, that was a huge moment. The strength he showed, the power, the drive, as you said, Steve, the vision to pick Salah out, that completely changed what was up to that point. Was, you know, a, a tough night for Liverpool into into an absolute procession. You know, slightly worrying to see him hobble off, you know, down the tunnel with 20 minutes to go. But, you know, thankfully, Jurgen Klopp said afterwards that the initial assessment was that it was just bruising. It was a blow to the knee rather than like a twist or a pull or anything like that. So hopefully he'll be 
he's not facing another spell out because you just, you just want to see him go and build on this now because midfield has been a problem area for Liverpool. Liverpool desperately need Jordan Henderson to be stamping his authority on games like we know he can do. And, and then on the personal level for him, it's obviously huge with the World Cup now only a matter of weeks away for a number of reasons so far this season. You, you'd say he hasn't really been able to kind of stake a real claim for inclusion in that England team. You're so right about the stress he must have been suffering. I mean, I, I don't think we could probably appreciate it to the full, David. When you've got an investigation hanging over over you like that and accusations made in a certain way against you, I mean, any normal person would be feeling that. Yeah, without a doubt. You know, that would be affecting you day in, day out in training and, and, and in the build-up to games. It's it, it must have been difficult to sort of push that away. I suppose, you know, one of the things that, that maybe would have comforted Jordan Henderson in that time is that, you know, his belief that he hadn't done anything wrong, you know, so I suppose that would have at least helped. But it isn't nice to have those accusations made against you. I think it's, it's one of those as well that we've got to hold our hands up and say that, you know, players should feel that they can make those accusations as well. It, you know, by the sounds of things, it was a, a misunderstanding, but you, you wouldn't want to discourage a player if they did feel that they had heard something uh, inappropriate on the field to, to not make that accusation. But, you know, that that still doesn't make it any easier for Jordan Henderson to, to deal with it, I suppose. But he's a, you know, we, we've seen many times throughout his Liverpool career how, how strong a character he is and that, you know, he doesn't let these things get him down and, and that he can deal with a lot of a lot of pressure and he and he's done that time and time again through difficult moments at Liverpool so you know the, the way he's come through that sort of exemplary and and um, yeah it, it's good news really that it's it's been dealt with now and, and dealt with efficiently by the FA and and now he can hopefully move on and hopefully we can see a bit more of his best football because as, as James mentions I think it, you know it has been a bit of a difficult period for him I thought you know towards the back end of last season even maybe wasn't showing quite his best form even if the results collectively were, were very good I thought you know Henderson has is, is, is maybe struggled for a little while so it, it, you know last night and, and moments like that will, will really give him a boost to to show that quality at the highest stage and you just yeah you just hope you can take that forward now and we can we can see a little bit more of the best of him because there's still you know there was no midfield assigned in, in the summer window and a lot's been said about that so it's all on the the players who are, who are there currently to sort of step up and show, you know, in Henderson's case that, you know, I can still be the man, I can still be an important man for Liverpool in midfield. Step in the right direction for him, as it was with, with Darwin Nunez as well. Massive scrutiny on him since his, his arrival, James, but this feels like another significant step forward. Working hard all the time. There's an honesty about his play. He's a, he's a grafter, isn't he? He's a fighter. He is, yeah, yeah. I really enjoy watching him. He's a bit of a maverick, isn't he? In terms, of you're not, not not really too sure what you're going to get, but he does guarantee fireworks. It was interesting actually speaking to Andy Robertson afterwards in the mix zone, and he was saying that they they kind of rallied round him at half time, and he said, "I'm not too sure with the language barrier how much he quite understood of what I was saying to him." But he said, "You know, you know, don't beat yourself up about that miss. You know, keep your chin up. You know, don't worry. We'll create another one. I'll put one on a plate for you, and you're." You'll take. It was a shocker, wasn't it? Take the next one, but yeah, it was. It was. I mean, I mean, I suppose in a way, I was trying to think of mitigating circumstances for the miss, and I can only think. Well, probably two two things actually. When you watch it back, one, he probably isn't expecting Roberto Firmino to pass that, and I think probably most other players in the Liverpool team wouldn't have passed from that position. Although I think anyone who's watched Firmino over the years will know it wasn't a big shock because he's such an unselfish team player. You wouldn't have passed it, James. No, absolutely no chance. <laughs> and I think when you watch it back as well, Nunes is just, he has to stretch for it slightly. And of course he could still put it away. But I think that is what means that he loses that kind of accuracy. He's, he's stretching slightly left-footed. 
and it, you know, and it's embarrassing for him, obviously, to hit the post in a position where it looked easier to score. It can go one or two ways, can it, for a striker like that? Because you know, it can be damaging, and you can beat yourself up. And so, so maybe in a way, it helped him the fact it was just before half time, and people could get in his ear and calm him down. And we, you know, we've seen in his early days at Liverpool, he's an emotional guy. But yeah, I mean, it's crazy that you know to miss the sitter. And the one he took, you know, was so much more difficult. He, you know, he had a half of half of Ajax's back four hanging off him as he as he powered his way into space and directed that header into the the far corner. You've been very ge- generous with the stretching excuse. <laughs> I see Roberto Firmino wasn't very generous with the with the way that he um, <laughs> gave his gave his opinion on the moment, didn't he? I love that. That would that would be like Lynchy passing you the ball and turning to the crowd and going, "Who's this stuffer? <laughs> Who's just missed this?" <laughs> Like, do you know what I think? I think I think you you look at the reaction when Nunes does score, and you can see that there's there's like his teammates throughout. They, they obviously know the pressure he's been under with the price tag and the you know so many of them have been, haven't they? Where he is now with you know moving to a new country, the new language, you know the your family trying to settle in, all all those things that sometimes we probably overlook and say you know. Why is he not just performing exactly like he did for Benfica? And you can see the genuine delight for him when he when he when he scored that header. And what's that? Goals on his last four starts, I think it is. Four, last four starts, four Decent, goals. Isn't and, it? and he is starting to Yeah, I know you know, he is a rough diamond, but we are starting to see, you know, why why Liverpool were convinced that you know to invest so heavily in him and you know even I thought his work off the ball last night was great there, you know there's one example of him you know way way back deep in his own half helping out and yeah Klopp will, Klopp will love that because you, you can you can be sure that that's something they've been in his ear about that um you know you in a Klopp team you know it's it probably is different to what he was used to at Benfica in terms of what's expected of him you know out of possession as much as in it. He's got the characteristics that Liverpool fans will love what will we be saying David in a year's time about him? Yeah, I, I just think the signs are really, really good um, early doors. I think, you know, for, for all this talk about him, sort of, he struggled since he came to Liverpool. Obviously, we, we know the the red card wasn't ideal uh, that he got early in his career. And that, that you know, three-game suspension came at a really poor time, um, just as he was settling in. And I think that's made things more difficult for him. But, you know, since then, you look at it, I think, is it seven, seven starts he's made, six goals and an assist? If someone told you that was what the start of his Liverpool career was going to be and said he's going to be getting criticised for it, you'd be, you'd be absolutely amazed. I think, you know, yes, he's a, he's a little bit unorthodox and there are a lot of rough edges on his game that, that need to be knocked off, but he just gets in goal-scoring positions constantly and he gets shots away whenever he's on the pitch, which if you're a centre-forward, you know, they are really good qualities to have, and he, he clearly has that. I think, you know, those rough edges are something that I think Jürgen Klopp and his coaching team will really sort of relish uh, sorting out and, and ironing out those little kinks in his game. I think that's something they, they really enjoy, and we've seen them do it with, with several players in the past to take them to a to a new level. So, yes, he's a bit of a project, but I think, you know, we'll be looking at a year, in a year's time at, Hopefully, one of one of the Premier League and one of European footballers' best goal scorers, really, or, or most dangerous forwards, because I think he's got all the potential to do that, and he's already scoring and, and assisting and and getting involved and getting shots off at a really high level. So you know the fact that there's more to come from him that you know that's quite kind of scary for all the Liverpool's opponents, really. We're sponsored for this episode of Walk On by LinkedIn, so it's only right that we crowbar in a reference to Liverpool's super slick recruitment process while we talk them up. 
Because when you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like Arnie Slot, probably. In any given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. In fact, on LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. So hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash walk. That's L-I-N-K-E-D-I-N dot com slash walk to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. You said you spoke to Robbo in the in the mix zone and presume he was delighted with the night's work. Fifty European appearances for him, James. That's that's remarkable. Where's that gone? <laughs> I know, I know. When you yeah, when you when you think the um you know the, some of the big occasions he's been part of as well, and you know going to to three finals it, you know, would have been beyond his wildest expectations, wouldn't it? When he when he made that switch from from after suffering relegation with Hull, but yeah, he had a, a big big smile on his face. Andy Robertson had the UEFA Man of the Match award, which I thought was was well deserved. I thought again, you know, you'd say he's another player who probably hasn't had the easiest starts to the season. You know probably mixed form, injury issues as well. But that was kind of him at his best in terms of driving forward. And of course, I think that Nunes miss actually was, you know, came solely from him doing exactly what Klopp talked about afterwards in terms of his fullbacks being brave and driving forward and, and exploiting space that was there with Ajax's man marking system where, you know, suddenly they had to react to someone coming at them and, and then that re- released players elsewhere. So, um, you know, he was, he was in buoyant mood. Andy Robertson, he um, you know, he talked about if someone had told them after that night in Naples that you'd be booking your place in the last sixteen with a game to spare, you know, it would have been hard to believe, you know, how how miserable things looked that night. You know, they've responded really well to that, you know, to to rattle off four straight wins in Europe like they have done, and that, yeah, and I think I think now you think well. You know, yes, of course. You know, if they if they if they thrashed Napoli next week, they could still take top spot. I think that's highly unlikely. And I, th- I think Klopp will probably use that that game to to rest a few players because I don't think it makes a massive difference. You know, within the group, when you look at who they could potentially face, but it's just nice to have that tucked away now, isn't it? Until what is it, middle of February when the Champions League starts again, and and hopefully, you know, come that point, we are talking about a different Liverpool. You'd like to think the injury situation is a lot kinder. It's a unique season in terms of so many key players having, you know, what's effectively kind of five, six weeks off because of the World Cup. You'd like to think, you know, that will give the chance for for players to to get a rest. Oh, I think we've lost our connection to Amsterdam, but maybe we can just pass over to David there. Obviously, we were talking about the fact as well. The draw is going to take place for the knockout stages at uh, UEFA HQ in in Neon on Monday at 11 a.m. I always love that draw and and sort of this point, this juncture in uh, the competition. As James was saying, maybe it will be a a slightly changed team next Tuesday. There's there's some important Premier League games coming up, aren't there? Three really big ones. So Leeds Saturday night, Spurs away, which is really tricky, and then Southampton at home before the World Cup. And these could add an awful lot of positivity to Liverpool before that World Cup break. Yeah, you, you think, you know, it's a real shame that they didn't win the Nottingham Forest game because that would, you know, set them up really nicely, this little run before the World Cup. But I think, you know, 
okay, that's done now. And it's all about Liverpool. They know that the job is now over these next three Premier League games is just get as close as they can as possible to the top four. They know that they've got players coming back in the second half of the season. They know that traditionally they are better in that second half of the season. There's always a general sort of uptick in terms of performance. And they just seem to be, you know, fantastic at grinding out results in the second half of the season, which is something we saw sort of last season as well. And yeah, just stay in touch if they can. And, you know, that, that Spurs one stands out as a really big one. You know, the two home games, Liverpool's home form has been decent, but Spurs away, you know, things haven't been going fantastically for Spurs, but they, you know, they're still a threat, aren't they? And, and Liverpool's away form has been, you know, kind of up or, up and down this season. So, and that was that was littered with controversy last year, wasn't it? That Spurs fixture. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it it was one that Liverpool sort of, you know, would have felt unfortunate not to have won in the end. And, and given the way that the title race went, that's you know very unfortunate. But it's um, yeah, it, it it just looks like a huge game. And Spurs will obviously, despite their struggles this season, will be massively up for it. So it's it's a tricky one, but. They've just, they've just got to take it one game at a time, I suppose, and, and starting with that Leeds at home uh, on Saturday is, yeah, that that's the biggest fixture as, as things stand, and they've got to get three points there against the side who are, you know, are struggling at the moment and are getting a lot of criticism, so they'll they'll want to come out fighting, so it's, yeah, three massive fixtures going into the World Cup, and, and they've just got to start getting the first win on the board against Leeds. And we know, like, home's different, don't we? Anfield is, is they're so hard to beat. Home games are a huge difference for Liverpool at the moment if they could do this season again they might approach away games in a different manner yeah I mean it's sometimes one of those things as well that's hard to explain though you know it's not even like the the manager would say oh I wish I'd done things differently in terms of away sometimes it's just a, a mentality thing that you you know you, you can't it's not a tactical approach it's not anything he's telling the players it's just one of those things that, that can sort of happen and I think you can have regrets about that, but at the end of the day, the only way you're going to solve that, the away form, is is by by winning your away games that are coming up. And yeah, you, you just got to hope that that can happen, and, and and to no detriment to the home form, which is obviously you know fairly strong as well. Anyway, so yeah, they, they've just got to keep that home form going, keep the keep the run going at home, and, and and you know make it for difficult for teams that are coming to Anfield as they always do, and that's always easy with the fans on your side, and and then just hope they can tweak that away form, and if they do that. Then all of a sudden, you know, this this season it could change completely. Really, the complexion of things because you the form early in the season, you're almost thinking, well, they've they've no chance to top four if they're going to play like this. And, and Tottenham look stronger, and United look stronger, and Chelsea look stronger. It's but all the, you know they're still within touching distance. The five points off the top four is things stand incredibly despite that mixed start. So they just get things right in terms of the away form. You know, all of a sudden you're right back in that race. David, great to have you to the end. James has been lost to the hotel Wi-Fi in Amsterdam when when we started the pod. He said it was a little bit dicky, but uh, we, we got most of what he had to say. And I believe it's been a brilliant night for the fans uh, from the perspective of how the club welcomed them. I've just seen a tweet that James put out. He said loads of positive reaction about the stewarding and policing, exactly what a European away day should be about people being treated with with respect. Paris take note. That, that's fantastic to hear, isn't it, David? Yeah, absolutely. Especially because you think, you know, in the aftermath of the horrendous scenes at the Champions League final last season, that a lot of supporters will have been put off from travelling. And, and, you know, the ones who've, who've stuck with it and, and decided to go to games this season, it's it's nice to see that that sort of treatment doesn't have to happen everywhere across Europe. Because, you know, you know I think last season, back to trip to Portugal that, that Liverpool had as well where where you know fans felt like they were they were treated very poorly and, and it's been a common theme in recent years you know you, you get it at a lot of away trips so 
you know, it's it's nice to know that that supporters can go away to watch the team in Europe and and feel like they're actually being treated like human beings. You know, because I think that's something that you know football as a whole, and and it's not just away in Europe. In fact, it happens in this country as well, where you know supporters they just aren't treated correctly. They're treated like they're trouble causers rather than people who just want to go and watch a football match. And yeah, I, I, the, the the tone of the policing and stewarding at some of these games is 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 a disgrace, really. And it's yeah, it's it's nice to see that they can go to Amsterdam, enjoy themselves. All the fans can mix that you know, and and have a nice experience around a football match for once. Good to have you on, David. Thank you very much indeed. Thanks to James as well. You can check out his piece on Jordan Henderson and last night's game. It's on uh, the site now. And if you don't already subscribe to The Athletic, you can read all the articles on Liverpool, everything on the site. If you head to theathletic.com forward slash Liverpool pod, it's a pound a month for six months. There's a special price at the moment, theathletic.com forward slash Liverpool pod. So many good articles uh, on there. Check it out right now. Thank you to David Lynch and James Pearce. And that was the Red Agenda. We'll see you again after the weekend. Goodbye.